This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. We are so glad that you're here today, and some of you might be wondering why in the world you're here today. And uh, the reason why is because as a church, we hold this event kind of once a year, and the idea is our hope is to bless someone in our community. And so last year, we actually, if you remember, it's called 10 for 1. Last year, we used it as a way to bless uh, this school, and we actually renovated their teacher's lounge. And it was crazy because it was before we were even meeting in here. And so it was kind of cool how God worked it out, and now we're here, um, which is, you know, awesome. And so this year... What we're actually doing is we're uh, raising money to basically put in a fund that will go to the teachers to help them with things in their classrooms and to celebrate them and have parties for them and all kinds of awesome things. And so the way it works is for every person here today, you represent $10. Pretty cool, right? So for every person here, the River Church is giving away $10. We're not asking you for $10. We're not taking away $10 from you. You represent $10. So if anybody's ever told you that you're worthless... Today, you're worth at least $10. (laughs) But you're here on a good day because not only is it 10 for 1, but we're starting a new series called Change Your World. And each week, what we're going to be doing throughout this four-week series is, is giving you a way to hopefully do something that can impact and change your world. And so this week, we're doing 10 for 1, and we want to be a blessing to Whitley Elementary School. And, and so that's, that's kind of what we're doing this week is, is hopefully to be a blessing and, and a way to uh, just, just help this school in whatever way we can. Next week, I'm actually going to be putting something in your hands uh, that I'm going to be encouraging you to give away to somebody. And uh, so each week, we're going to be having doing things like that. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is actually one of the series that I'm looking for most forward to that we've probably ever done. I'm, I'm probably really most excited about this series and any series that we've ever done. So with that in mind, I want to ask you the question, have you ever wanted to change your world? Like maybe you want to hit the gym or maybe it's something like, oh, maybe, you know, you start looking around the house and like, man, I'd like to have a nice little garden or maybe a nice, you know, DIY project at the house. Like a couple years ago, I started getting on Pinterest a little bit. Anybody familiar? Pinterest is a dangerous thing, man. And so I started getting on Pinterest. I started looking at like closets and like uh, bathrooms. And I was like, man, I could, I could do some of this stuff. And so I started, I, I went in our master bathroom. I started ripping out the closets. I started ripping up the flooring. And then for like a year and a half, we walked on concrete and had no closets. So um, not, not always the best thing, right? And sometimes, you know, you try to change your world and it doesn't work out exactly like you think it's going to. But maybe changing your world isn't even doing something for yourself, but it's doing something for somebody else. Like uh, last year, I was taking a nice afternoon, Sunday afternoon nap. Anybody ever get one of those in? You're probably looking forward to that right before the Cowboys lose today. Gonna be a lot of fun. Um, I can't, you, come on, guys. This, this, this is church. We're honest here, okay? Um, anyways, I'm having a nice afternoon nap, and uh, I hear somebody banging on my door. I'm like, man, what the heck is going on? Who is trying to bug me at three o'clock in the afternoon? Don't you know I'm supposed to be sleeping right now? So I go and open the door. It's my neighbor, David. I'm like, David, what do you want? He says, Mike, there's a snake on my front porch. You got to come help me. I'm like, why are you coming to me, man? Like, of all people, do I look like somebody that's going to go get a snake for you, you know? So anyway, so I go across the street, and I, I, he, on his front porch is no joke, like this 10 to 15-foot snake. It was huge, right? 
I'm a pastor, I can't lie. It was that big, okay? It was a huge snake, maybe not quite that big, but, and so anyways, he comes around the corner, I'm looking at this python, and he, he comes over with a rake, and he's like, here man, get it. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with a rake, you know? So I, I'm like, all right. So he goes, pick it up and throw it in the street, and I'm like, oh, all right. So I pick up the rake, because I'm brave and tough like that, I pick it up, and I turn, and I get right here, and I throw it, I almost fell off the stage. I throw it, and when I get right where it's, it's launching out, I hear something go, ah! And I look, and my other neighbor, Jada, who's here today, she works at the school, is standing in her front yard screaming as the snake is going, da-doom, 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 headed right in her direction. Sometimes you try to help people out, and it doesn't go exactly like you think it's going to go, right? She was being dramatic, though. It didn't land anywhere close to her, right? Um, so anyways, what's funny is we called animal control, and this lady comes from animal control, picks the snake up with, like, her bare hands, puts it in a bag, and sets it in the truck, and she's like, oh, it's just a sweet little baby, and we're like, are you kidding me? It's a killer, man. That's a killer. But it was, I think it was like a rat snake or something. I don't know. But anyways, the point is, oftentimes we hear the phrase, change your world, and what we think about is changing ourselves, but... What about positively changing and impacting the people around you? Like, I know I told that story, it's funny, and you, you try to help people out. Sometimes it doesn't go quite like you would expect, but have you, ever, have you ever seriously thought about the influence that you have on the world around you? You ever thought about that? Many of us don't think that we have much influence. Most of us probably think that, you know, influence is, is for people like movie stars or influences for politicians, God help us, or uh, influences for athletes or influences for social media stars, things like that. I would say, and one reason why we're here today is because we believe that influence is something that teachers have, right? That not only do teachers have influence, but they probably have some of the greatest influence in our world today. And uh, as I was kind of thinking about, you know, teachers in this day, and I was thinking, you know, teaching can't be, it's not really that hard of a job, right? I mean, anybody can do it, right? You just kind of show up, throw out the lesson plan, and the kids, that kind of, they teach themselves, right? Like, like, I'm sure that when you were a teacher and you thought about what it would be like to be a teacher, you know, you probably thought, yeah, it's going to be awesome, and I'm sure that it went exactly how you thought it would be, right? Let's see. Okay, maybe, maybe it didn't go exactly like you thought it would be, but hey, I'm sure that the kids listen perfectly, don't they? What do you think? Oh, that's it. I'm just going to wait till it's quiet. Oof. It's a little morbid, isn't it? Sorry. Who put that up there? I'm sure that in the beginning of the school year, things are nice and easy and great. And I'm sure the year just goes by so gracefully and wonderfully. Okay, maybe not. But hey, guys, you got summers off. It can't be that stressful, right? It's not that stressful, right? You got Come on. Hey. <laughs> Y'all are a little slow, but you're worth waiting on. That's a good one right there. <laughs> but to me, oftentimes when we think of influence, we don't realize how much influence we have. And teachers today, you have more influence, I would say, than almost anybody in our world today. But whether you realize it or not, you have influence. 
right? And we, we think of, man, it's not just for somebody, for somebody else. That's not for me. But many of us don't realize the power of the influence that we have in our own lives. And I would say that God can and God will use your life in so many ways. As a matter of fact, if we would just open our eyes and look around us, we would see that God has strategically ordained your life to impact the world around you. You would see all these amazing ways that God has set you up to be a world changer in your world. And so today, as we kind of celebrate 10 for 1 and celebrate our teachers, I want to I tell you a story um, in Acts chapter 16. And really, I'm telling you this whole story because I want to get to one word, but it's a good story. And so we're just going to walk all the way through it. And uh, this story starts, Acts chapter 16 and verse 16, and it picks up with Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas, if you're not familiar, are missionaries. And what they pretty much do is just, at this point, they're just traveling around the world, telling people about Jesus and planting churches, starting churches, much like the river today. And so they're traveling around, uh, starting churches, telling people about Jesus, and they're kind of hanging out in the city, sharing God with people. And that's where we'll pick up in verse 16. It says, once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction. She was a, she was a fortune teller. Um, she made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and Silas, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are slaves of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. So she's just traveling around, following them around, screaming out, shouting out things. And as you can imagine, that started to get on their nerves a little bit, right? It started to get on her nerves a little bit. So, so Paul was greatly aggravated. And if you know Paul, he's many things. Patient was not always one of his strong suits. Says Paul was greatly aggravated and turning to the spirit, the the demon-possessed woman, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her, and it did right away. You got anybody in your life you'd like to do that to? Maybe they're not demon-possessed, but at least be like, shut up, right? When the owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, see, they're making money off of this girl. Now that she's not demon-possessed anymore, they can't make money off of her anymore says they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for Romans to adopt or practice. Then a mob, so a mob gathers, a mob joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to keep them securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison, and the inner prison was like the most secure area of the prison, and secured their feet and stocks. So recap, they're traveling around telling people about Jesus. This slave girl's following them, screaming out, shouting out things. Paul commands this this demon to come out of her, when it happens that her owners get angry, they sell these lies about Paul and Silas, get them stripped naked, beaten, and thrown in jail. It's not exactly the start of a good day, is it? Not a good day. And what I would say, just as a side note, is how we respond to adversity on our worst days is going to show a lot about what we can accomplish on our best days. And how we respond to adversity on our worst days is going to show a lot about who we are, what you truly believe in. And what we're going to see about Paul and Silas is that they're not shaken. And if we pick it up in verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. But catch this. It says, And the prisoners were listening to them. 
So what's happening is Paul and Silas, they're not responding to this situation like you would normally expect someone to respond to this situation. Right? They, they, they're acting out of the ordinary. And so as they're doing this, the people who are around them are taking note. Because the people around you are watching you, whether you realize it or not. And it says, verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all of the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. What's interesting about this, too, is, man, when God begins to work in your life, he begins to work in the lives of the people around you as well. Because they're in your sphere of influence. They're impacted by you. And they see what God is doing in your life. And then he begins to work in their life. They begin to see him become active in their life. And maybe they begin to get some chains set free as well. So the doors are open. Chains fall off. Verse 28 says, but Paul cried out. Oh, excuse me. Chains fall off. Verse 27, when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword as going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. And you might look at that and go, that's a little bit dramatic. But the truth is, is this guy at this time in history, if he loses his prisoners, if his prisoners escape, he's going to be beaten. He's going to be tortured. His family might be killed and he's going to be killed. And so he's going to just cut out the middleman. He's lost the prisoners and he's going to do the honorable thing and go ahead and take his own life. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. Then the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, this guy saw something different in Paul and Silas. He saw something different in the God that they said that they served. And he said when he saw the way that they lived their life, when they saw how different this was, he came to them and said, Guys, what do I got to do to get this? What do I got to do to know this God? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And then they say this interesting thing, you and your household. So believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and then you and your household as well. And I told you that entire story to get to that one word, household, because it's, a, it's an interesting word. And, and what he's not saying, what Paul's not saying, is if you become a Christian, then everybody in your, your house automatically becomes a Christian. That's not what he's saying. That, that word household is the Greek word oikos, and I know that you're not here for a Greek lesson, and I'm not smart enough to give you one, so don't worry. It's not going to happen. But that Greek word oikos literally means under your roof of influence. So it's not just your literal house, but it's your roof of influence. It's, it's like a relational covering. It's, it's your influence. It's the relationships that you touch in your life. That's, that's your oikos. That's your household. That's your, that's your sphere of influence. And so what Paul is saying to him is because you're giving your life to Jesus, it's going to touch everyone else in your life. Because you're giving your life to Jesus, it's going to reach out and impact everyone under your relational covering, everyone under your sphere of influence. And the hope is, is that what they'll see in you is something that attracts them to Jesus something that will lead them to a God that can save their soul, lead them to a God that can heal them, lead them to a God that can transform their life, a place where they can find life. He's saying because God is impacting you, it's going to impact everybody that you come in contact with, everybody under your relational covering. And that's pretty cool to think, of, think about, right? Not only is it pretty cool, but it's, I would say it's really important because what I want you to know today is that your sphere of influence is a lot bigger than you think it is. 
your sphere of influence is a lot bigger than you think it is. And secondly, I want you to know that God cares deeply, deeply, deeply about every single person in your sphere of influence. Like teachers here today, you know this. God cares deeply, not just for you, but for every single student that's in your classroom every week, right? And our hope is that because we're Christians, our lives will be about something bigger than us, and God will allow us to use that influence to positively impact everyone in our sphere of influence. And so you have a sphere of influence that's bigger than you think, and God deeply cares for every single person in your sphere of influence. Maybe you're thinking, okay, so who's in my sphere of influence? Well, I'm glad you asked. First off, your sphere of influence is your people. My people, what is that? What's my people? Well, that's your family, your friends, your coworkers, everyone who's right around you daily. Sociologists say that the way someone enters into your sphere of influence is by spending one hour or more a week with you. And they say the average person has 12 people that are consistently in their sphere of influence. That's interesting to think about, right? That's, that's probably more people than you would have thought about, right? Like, so, so the way someone enters into your sphere of influence, they're consistently around you for at least one hour or more a week. They enter in where you can impact their life. They can impact, you can, they impact your lives and they become in your sphere of influence. The average person has 12 teachers. How many people does that put in your sphere of influence? How many kids are you sitting with hour after hour every single day? That's pretty amazing to think about. And and not just teachers in here, but if we were to step back and think, how many people are in your sphere of influence? How many people do you spend an hour or more with each week? And, And the point is that you have these people in your life, not by accident. The second area that we have in our sphere of influence, or the second way that that people enter into our sphere of influence is not just our people, but your place. Say, what's my place? Your place is your location. It's where you live. It's your, it's your job. You're not there on accident. And maybe you're thinking here today, well, I don't really like where I work right now. Hopefully nobody here that works at Whitley. (laughs) You're like, that's me. Wait, wait, let's talk later. (laughs) Or maybe you're thinking, I don't really like where I live right now. Well, here's what I would say to you is that you're still there right now, aren't you? You're still in that job right now. You're still in that location right now. And and maybe God's going to move you eventually, but he has you right there right now for a reason. And I would encourage you to explore and seek out what you can do, how you can impact that space while you're there, because you are in this space and this time for this moment. And maybe God will move you out of it at some point. But when he does, you will never be in that same place again. You will never be in that same spot again. And I don't want you to look back and regret and think, oh man, I wish I had done this differently or I'd done that differently. I want you to look around and see, man, how can God use me in my location today to take advantage of it? And I want to encourage you to pray this prayer even over your jobs today. Psalm 90, 17. It says, let the favor of the Lord, let the favor of our Lord and God be on us, that he would establish for us the work of our hands. Establish for us the work of our hands. He repeats that. Wherever your location or place today, you're not just there to make a living. You're not just there to, to buy the groceries. Our God is bigger than that. He has something more for you. And what I would say to you is, 
if you want to impact your sphere of influence, your vocation has becomes your ministry location. And so I, I would encourage you to pray that Psalm 90, 17, let the favor of my God be over my job. Let him establish the work of my hands. Let him establish the work of my hands that I may make a difference where I am today. And then the third place I would say, or the third way that people enter in to your sphere of influence is number one, it's your people. Number two, it's your location or your place. Number three, it's your passion and talents. And we say, that's kind of strange, but God has designed all of us differently. Like we care about different things. We love different things. We're excited about different things. Like, like I could literally watch football for like 48 hours straight, okay? My wife, that's like, kill me, right? Like she's like, please, no, she wants to be out crafting. She wants to go doing, you know, creating something, right? There's some of us in here who think about like art and we love art and media and music. There's some of us in here who look at a Picasso and you're like, that's just a mess, right? But God has designed us and created us differently with different passions and gifts. Let me, let me give you some examples of how God has created you and how you can maybe make a difference in those, those ways that he's created you. Like maybe you walked in here today and you saw some trash on the ground or you saw something that was a little bit out of whack and you thought, oh man, I need to fix that. Let me straighten that up. Let me, let me do that. Well, God's given you a gift for details. You can serve people in that. God's given you a gift for serving. You can help people in that. You can influence people in that. Maybe you walked in here today and you saw someone sitting by themselves and you thought, oh man, I wonder who's, who's going to sit by them? Who's going to help them? God's given you a love for people. God's given you a heart for people. You can impact people through that. You can help people through that. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, man, I could preach that so much better than Mike. God's given you a spirit of criticism and nobody likes you, okay? <laughs> but there's different ways that God's designed us. We all have different ways that he's designed us and different things that we love. And in those passions, in those talents that he's given us, you can influence your world. And so your sphere of influence is your people. Your sphere of influence is your location. Your sphere of influence is your passions. You say, that's great, Mike, but how do I, how do I in- capture that? And how do I change my world with it? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one thing. One thing that you can do. This is the biggest thing that you can do to impact the world around you. This is the easiest thing you can do to impact the world around you. And it's the hardest thing that you can do to impact the world around you. And I know that makes no sense, but it also makes perfect sense. The way that we can impact our sphere of influence bigger than any other thing, this is profound, I'm telling you, is simply through the manner in which you live your life every single day. Because here's the thing is that so many of us, we think that the way that we change our world or the way that we impact people around us is in the big moments. It's in the superhero moments. We think of the Batmans and Spider-Mans. And when the crisis comes, that's when I come in and that's when I impact my world and that's when I change my world. But man, I got to tell you that for most of us, we're up for the big moments. Most people are ready for the, for the big moments. We're, we're, we're ready when it's needed, we're needed to step up to the plate. But what we don't realize, what sometimes we don't understand is that those people in our sphere of influence don't just have eyes on you in the big moments, but they have eyes on you in the everyday moments. Because the reason why they're able to enter into your sphere of influence is because they're consistently spending time with you. And so that means they consistently see who you are, even when you don't realize that they're watching. And sometimes we don't realize people are watching us. Like last week, I was in my office and I was actually working on this talk. And I'm at my computer. I locked the door because I have a two-year-old son and he comes in and he's just like a tornado. 
And anyway, so I'm in there typing. I have my back to the door. And you ever get that feeling that somebody's watching you? You know what I'm talking about? Like right now, maybe? And, and, I'm, and I, I'm like, man, somebody's in here. And I turn around, and my two-year-old son is standing behind me holding a credit card up in the air going, I opened the door. That joker. So what had happened is, what had happened was, whenever I go to my office, I lock the door. Sometimes I lock myself out, so I'll get a credit card out of my wallet, and I'll open the door. That joker had seen me do that, went and got a credit card from somewhere, I don't know where, opened that door. <laughs> Two things I want you to learn from that. One, people are watching when you don't think they are. Two, I'm raising a criminal. <laughs> the Bible talks a lot to us about the manner in which we live our lives and the manner in which you live your life daily. Are you going to draw people to Jesus, attract people to Jesus, influence them in a good way, or influence them in a bad way? The Bible talks a lot about the manner in which we live our lives. And, and maybe you're thinking today, you're like, well, that, man, that disqualifies me, man, because I've been trying to live my life in a different way. I've been trying to change. I've been trying to be a better person. And it's just, it just ain't happening, man. That, that, that totally disqualifies me. And if that's you today, what I would say is, let me, well, let me give you some advice on that, is, is don't give up. Right, Because God can change you, God can transform you, God can heal you. And even on top of that, I would say this, don't do it just for yourself. Right? Because for some reason, that it makes a difference. When we stop living just for ourselves, when we start living for those people in our sphere of influence, for some reason, it makes it easier to do. Like, Just as an example, like we've all known people who maybe they smoked for 20 years, and then they had a kid, and they stopped. Why? Because they weren't doing it for themselves anymore. They were doing it for somebody in their sphere of influence. And if you want to change your life, if you want God to transform your life, I would say you need to first off decide to stop living for yourself, but to just live for other people around you, right? And if you decide that day, you go, Mike, I want, I want to do that. I want to impact my sphere of influence. I want to change the world around me. Let me tell you this. Don't give up easy either. Don't give up easy once you start doing it. Because here's what's going to happen. I promise you. You're going to make that decision. You go, okay, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to start impacting my sphere of influence. I'm going to start, you know, doing my best to help the people around me. And you're going to have this coworker at maybe work or school or whatever. And you're going to say, hey, they're having a hard time. And you're going to tell your spouse and say, hey, I'm inviting so-and-so over. They're having a tough time. Let's, let's really try to help them and encourage them and lift them up. And so they're going to come over one Wednesday night for dinner. And about an hour before they get to your house, I promise you, you're going to get in the biggest fight of your life with your spouse. You're going to be throwing chairs. You're going to be yelling. You're going to be screaming. I heard that I, I do not know this from personal experience, but it's going to happen. And you're going to be yelling, screaming, fighting, and you're going to think, man, this, is going to, this disqualifies me. How can, I, how can I help somebody else? How can I impact somebody else? I can't even get along with my spouse. But here's the thing. is because you're not living for yourself, you're, you begin to think, okay, we got to work this out. Because maybe before you started deciding to live this way, you would have let that fight go into the evening. You would have let it go all night. You might have even let it go into the next morning. But now, because you got this friend coming over to your house who deeply needs you, who needs you to help them, who needs you to walk through life with them to encourage them, you're going to come to your spouse or that friend and you go, hey, let's, let's work this out. Let's talk this through. Let's, let's make this right. 
right? Because we got so-and-so coming over and they need us and we got to get this together and let's, 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 let's do what we need to do so that we can help them. And what happens is because you're not living for yourself anymore, this amazing thing where, where your life doesn't just matter for you anymore, God begins to grow you. God begins to transform you. It will literally force you to grow and it will change you. Because now you're not just selfishly thinking about just yourself anymore. You're thinking about everybody and your sphere of influence that your life matters to. And that will change your world. Maybe you're thinking today, that's, that's cool, Mike, but, you know, me, me and my wife, we still fight too much. And maybe I'll start thinking about that in a few years when we stop fighting and we just, you know, we just got it all together and... We just totally quit fighting and we're good. What I would say to you is, I'll see you in heaven, buddy. (laughs) Because if you're human, things like that are always going to happen. And it doesn't matter if it's with a spouse or somebody else. What I would say is it's not whether you fight. It's how you fight. It's how you handle the fight. It's how you respond to the fight. And it's how you grow because of the fight. And so I would encourage you today to stop living just for yourself, but to live for something bigger than yourself, that sphere of influence that God has placed around you, and God will grow you. And as God grows you, and as God gives you a greater and greater sphere of influence, we want to offer out a message of hope. We want to offer out a message of life. We want to offer out a message of healing. Because what I hate is when sometimes when people look at the church, they think that the church is a place of hatred, that the church is a place where you come and everybody says, turn or burn, God's sending you to hell. And the truth is that's not the message of the church. That's not the message of our God. The message of our God is a a message of hope and life and love. It's transformation. And what we want, our desire is that everyone in that sphere of influence, everyone in your sphere of influence, everyone in the sphere of influence of the River Church would understand and know that there is a God who loves them, who cares about them, who wants to see their lives transformed. So what I want you to take home today is I want you to understand that God has given you a great sphere of influence. And I want you to see that you have an opportunity to change your world around you, to impact lives around you. And what you do with that ultimately will be your responsibility. I watched this really cool video a few months ago about that word responsibility. And there's a guy on there talking and he was telling a story about when he was in Vietnam. And he said, we were in Vietnam. He said, we're up on this mountain and we were, uh, we were outnumbered like 20 to one. We were going to die. He said, they're raiding into us and they say, hey, we can't help you. We can't see you. The cloud coverage is too low. We, we can't get to you. He said, but, but what we can do is we can kind of blow up, blow up the side of the mountain. And when we blow up the side of the mountain, then people can, you can kind of, it will create an escape route for you so you can come down and get out. He said, but the problem is about five or six of you guys are going to have to stay behind and keep fighting off the enemy so that they don't flank the soldiers who are trying to escape. And he said, as I was hearing that come over the radio, I begin to think, I wonder who that's going to be. <laughs> and he said, the sergeant looked at him and he said, that's going to be us. And he said, why does it have to be us? And he said, it's because it's our responsibility. He said, well, why is that our responsibility? Why do we have to be the ones to, to do that? And he said, this sergeant, and I don't know how they had all this time for this conversation, but his sergeant said, that word responsibility, he said, you know what responsibility means? It's a word made up of two words, response and ability. 
He said, we're in this situation where there's soldiers who may die. And he says, but we have the ability to make that not happen. We have the ability to save these lives. We have the ability, even if it means sacrificing ourselves, to make sure that our fellow soldiers can escape freely. He said, that's our ability. What we choose to do with that ability will be our response. And he finished and said, the question is, given our ability, what will be our response? And I got to tell you, man, I listened to that story and that thing stuck with me. And what I would say to you today is that God has put people in your sphere of influence that you have the ability to impact, that you have the ability to change, that you have the ability to speak life into. And given that ability, what will be your response? What will be your story? Let's pray. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for just an awesome opportunity to come in this space and celebrate these amazing teachers and all that they do. God, I pray that they're blessed and encouraged by today. I I pray that that's just an awesome day for them. God, I pray that as, as we know, they have this incredible sphere of influence, and I believe that they are changing lives. I believe that they're using that sphere of influence to do some amazing things. And so, God, I pray that you would give them encouragement, I pray that you would, um, as they go through a tough school year, that you would just continue to breathe life into them and that they would see the fruit of their labor, that they would see how they impact lives every single day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The band's behind me, and what they're going to do is we're going to sing one last song. And as we sing that song, we're just going to worship God together in this space. And what I want to tell you is that you have a God. We have a God who cares deeply for you. And he saw us here on earth to him 2,000 plus years ago, dying and headed to hell and lost in our sin. And he was the only one who had the ability to save us. He was the only one who had the ability to transform us. He was the only one who had the ability to heal us. And knowing that he had that ability, his response was to come to earth, sacrifice himself and die on a cross for you and me so that we may have life. What I want to say today, man, if you don't know that God, if he hasn't changed your life, if you haven't given your life to him today, I want you to know you have the ability to do that today. And as we sing and worship and pray, I want you to think about your sphere of influence, but I also want you to think about that God who loves you so much, the one who has the ability to save you and heal you and transform you. And given his ability, what will be your response?